Welcome to Kilts and Culture with USA Kilts. We're here to talk about all things Highland dress, the cultures and the heritage that created it, and how to enjoy the kilt in the 21st century. From tartan and trues to haggis and history, we cover it all. So sit back, grab your beverage of choice, and enjoy the show. Howdy, boys and girls. Welcome to Kilts and Culture. I am Rocky, and this is Eric. Yo. Today, we had we had something all planned for our try, and all of our plans jumped out the window when we got a package yesterday. The we have Grandpa's Shine Celtic Whiskey, about ninety proof. It looks like a G, but it's actually. I, I said it's like go proof. Yeah, this is this <laughs> is by proof. far the best marketing effort <laughs> for the front of a uh, front of a bottle of whiskey. And bottle is a loose term. Um, is painter's tape. Um, I uh, We got this in the mail yesterday from a customer and viewer of the show, and I called him to make sure it was safe to drink. I wanted to kind of feel him out. I was a bit yeah. nervous. Yeah. Um, but uh, I talked to him for a little while, and uh, it's really, really awesome. I am not allowed to disclose who it is, but it, it, I, I, I've never had... Like whiskey, whiskey moonshine before. Whiskey I've had, shine. I've had moonshine. The turpentine flavor kind of threw me off a bit, but we're gonna give it a go. So we will let you know if Grandpa's Shine Celtic whiskey is. Now I do have I do have some information on it that he sent us, which I will read. Yes. As we as we proceed with All the right. uh, with the experience here, I will begin the the pouring of the glass. All right, so, gentlemen and whiskey-loving ladies, I'll watch your monthly vlog. No, I won't go through the whole letter. And I won't why do are, that accent. Why, are, why is he getting a southerner? Because Virginia is the, the mother state of the union. What do you think? Um, so, uh, okay. Here's the, here's the actual lowdown. Uh, he makes this at home. Uh, he calls it Celtic whiskey. He is of Celtic and Nordic descent. Rock. Um, and he, so he can't very well call it Scotch or Irish whiskey. Uh, it's made there in the wilds of the country where he lives. Uh, doesn't sell it, only makes it for his friends. The mash is approximately one-third cracked corn cattle feed, one-third peated barley malt, and one-third cane sugar to reach a starting gravity of about 1.085. Uh, doesn't, usually, doesn't usually worry about finished gravity, for those of you who are uh, brewers out there. Um, when the yeast is done, it goes in the still. Uh, he's basically sent us uh, a batch that he has fast-aged using a technique that he has developed himself, which in jar involves using charred white oak, red oak, maple, and cherry. Yeah, we're he did tell us a little bit about his uh, process, but I'm not going to reveal that. The marketing label in there, Grandpa's Shine. Grandpa's Shine. All right, Mr. Eric, Mr. Mac, if you would mind coming along and coming to grab your... your Dr. Shine? Shine. And of you, course, boy, you, you uh, well, give me quite a bit here. If we're gonna die, we're gonna die fast. I don't know. Mm, mm. If we go blind, at least it's entertainment. We 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 will go blind for you people. Um, I'd prefer not to, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, All right. Shakes. It actually smells pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. So there, is, he, I, there's a Bernie Bernie Oakey. But it smells like real scotch. Yes. It's not like turpentine, like other shine I've had in the past. Um, uh, 
Did you go over tasting notes or no? Not yet. Not yet. He did include tasting notes. Yeah. Do you want so to hear I'm those curious. first or you want to see if you agree with his tasting notes after? Yes. It doesn't matter. Um. <laughs> I'll just give you half the tasting notes. <clears throat> Does he have nosing and then? Let's do the nosing. Okay. Yes. Okay. The, the, um, the, the nose starts with oak tannins. Definitely picked up on that. With a hint of peat smoke. Yep. And then moves into a strong vanilla. The mother of all flavors. I I will say this. I'm not usually one like whenever we do tasting notes, it's always like, you know, the vanilla, the chocolate, and or other apricot and this and that and that. And right. I'm trying to right. I struggle the, the, sometimes. The tears of a Highland Virgin. Yes, I mean, exactly. You know, it's, it's all that. Yeah. I struggle to find the notes that they kind of suggest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting Ac exactly what he's saying. Simple, straight to the point. Yeah. Accurate. Mac, any thoughts on the on the nosing? Or are you over there reading the comments on the old uh, the YouTubes? Uh, reading comments and uh, checking social. We got a few few people who are joined us and are drinking shine as well today. Ooh, sláinte. Exactly. All right. Let's uh, we'll, we'll get a little sippy sip. Um, I'm gonna sip it first without any water. Then I'll pour water in as needed. Right. <clears throat> that's, that's pretty damn smooth for shine, it's, it's dude. A, it's a little burny, but it's it's. How long has it been aged? What do you say? Six weeks. Um, about six weeks. Yep. <sighs> six weeks for for aging. Six weeks. That's damn smooth. It's amazing. That is that is that is damn smooth for six weeks. Like I would, I would put this on par with like a a a, a moderately smooth Isla. I was about to say it's like an Isla. Yeah. It tastes like an Isla. Yeah. It's weird. Like there's there's cheap Isla <laughs> like McClellan's. This is like no, no, this bottle. is better. This is way better than that. Mm -hmm. It's damn. Has a tiny little bit of the iodine -y kind of flavor That's the that peat. you get in an Isla. That's the peat. Has a little bit of the charcoalish flavor from the burned wood. Yep. Yep. Has a little bit of the smoke, but it's it's all it's not light, mm -hmm. but it's 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 smooth mm -hmm. and it's it's mm -hmm. reasonably well balanced. Yeah. Well, again, it was uh. So um, I'll I'll give you the notes now. Mac, what do you think over there? I try not to. It hurts. What's this? So I try not to. It hurts. <laughs> what are your? Have you have you tasted it at all yet? Yes, I have. I've, it, and I'm very much on par with what you've been saying as far yeah. as mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. It's Dude, go, Grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep keep all up. Right. The, keep it up. All right. What do we got? Give me the notes. <clears throat> Starts with a neutral, almost sweet flavor, then quickly goes to vanilla, followed by some pepper on the side of the tongue. I definitely picked up the pepper on the side of the tongue. And finishing with a little tart cherry. Again, I think that's fairly accurate. Yeah. It's pretty darn accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Grandpa needs to go he's, into business. He's on to something. Dude, yeah. What terrifies me is, since this is as good as it is, and he basically made it in his backyard in the space of like a few weeks... Are we being sold a bill of goods <laughs> with all these 12, 18, 20, 30 year yeah, old scotches? Because this is good. Yeah. And it's not 
No barrels, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, when when I yeah, we imported these special barrels from South Africa, yeah. and it's like, nope, just threw some burnt wood in there. Yeah. No, when I'm, uh, when I it's amazing buy scotch, you know, I can. Twelve year is a little bit, you know, burnier, a little bit more harsh, or a ten year than, or an eight year than a like sixteen or twenty or something like that. Yeah. Um. This is on par, easily, easily on par with twelve, mm -hmm. if not a sixteen. Yes. Um. I'm, I'm. And it's six weeks old. It's, it's crazy. I'm totally flabbergasted. I, I, I'm. I am not a Scotch aficionado. I drink more than my share, but it's, but it tastes like a better scotch. I put a little water in it, open it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit from the oak mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, but I'm getting a nice kind of, uh, I'm getting the, the vanilla, vanilla is like a default flavor for, for some yeah. of the whiskeys, but yeah, yeah. Um, there's a little bit of maple. The cherry I get at the end, it's like super, super, super light, but. Mm -hmm. Like they're gonna go out and rush out and buy a bottle. It's you gotta shy. find Grandpa first. Yeah, you gotta find yeah. him exactly. Yeah. Head west. <laughs> when you come to the Great Mountain, turn south. Um. That's that's crazy. Yeah, the water definitely cut it a lot. Mm -hmm. How much did you put in? Just a splash, right? Yeah, a tablespoon. Not even teaspoon, mm -hmm. something like that. Um. Yeah. Hmm. Damn. I, this is I, more satisfying than some of the stuff we've tasted in a long time. Yeah. Which is craziness. I, of course, I missed last month. You and Mac had a, a, apparently a bad experience last month. What did we have last month? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The copper box. Yeah. Seventeen ninety-seven. Bell yeah, Plantation. Yeah. yeah. We like the other one, not this one. Yeah. Or it's not kind of weird. Yeah. But, but I, this is just it. It's a. It's a scotch that tastes like scotch. I don't know what else to say. It really tastes like an Isla. We, we do have Derek saying that there are there are ways to fast age, especially if you use mm -hmm. small containers and yep. a freezer or a microwave. Well, what he actually did Do we reveal was, this? He didn't say it like it was a secret. So. Okay. Sorry, Grandpa, if you're watching. Um, the uh, What he actually said he did is he ages it in the barrel, or in the, not in the barrel, excuse me, in the in the container with uh, oak, burnt oak pieces. Yep. And then... And maple and the other one. Yep. And then he pours it out in mason jars and keeps it in the window so that sunlight hits it for two weeks. So the UV does it. So the UV, mm -hmm. he said, takes down the pepperiness and kind of like mellows it out a bit. Mm -hmm. So I I guess you just kind of, you know, takes a little taste every every couple days. Can you and imagine if you took at? this and left it bottled, like properly bottled for 10 years? I don't, I don't know if that would make it better or worse. Um, because okay. of the the nature of the distilling, okay. it's it's a it's a cheat, it's a hack, but damn, it's it works. My man sorted it. It's yeah, it's a, a lot he's better. Been, than he's been doing this for a while. Is the impression I got? Yeah, he and said he, he, he's done uh, beer. He did mead. He does you know uh, he started doing uh, spirits, but. Mm. Uh, all right, let's score it, Mac. The nose sweetened up <laughs> since I yeah. got the water in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll, I will agree with that. Mm -hmm. The nose definitely mm -hmm. sweetened since you got the water in. So, uh, nice. uh, LTP is saying so we so we should go on a quest to find Grandpa. That's yeah. I if think you Grandpa. Feel you're worthy. <laughs> I think Grandpa needs to be a kilt ambassador. I, I think we that. should. Uh, I we, can should see that. we should reach out to Grandpa and see if we can uh, get okay. him out of his 
this okay. cave to uh, okay. to okay. talk to us. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Mr. Mac, I'm 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 shocked at this. I really am. It's... I. Yeah. All right, Mac, what do you got? One to ten. Seeing how the package came in yesterday, and uh, watching <laughs> plain, them watching plain brown them box. Yes. No return address. No names. No labels. No nothing. Letter with no names or anything on it. Just the you know, phone number and and the, the tasting notes and description, and the painter's tape for the label. They this op- is what got me. They opened it up downstairs and are like, "Is this a yeah. bomb? <laughs> is it? Is it like a? Is it a jug of urine? Is it a urine sample? <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> what? Did the lab get something confused? <laughs> Yeah, they were as surprised as we were. Yeah, the surprise. Let's 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 factor in the surprise into the score. Yeah, and then the the inch and a half of uh, foam insulation thing that was mm-hmm. wrapped around mm-hmm. it too mm-hmm. added added to it as well. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight point six. Wow. Eight six. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good, very good score, mm-hmm. Eric. I would I would hit the dusty trail to go find Grandpa to get more of this, for sure. So yeah, I was I was actually going to be in the eights also. So I was going to say like a eight point three or so. Okay, okay. Like there's much difference. Come on. I I I'm right there with you. Eight point two. Freaking Grandpa, dude. Don't don't rest on your laurels. You know you're you know you know as soon as you think you know something, something's going to change. Yeah, you know, never, I, t- never take anything for granted. It, I, Grandpa, if you need a business partner, you let me know. Yep. It's, I will help you improve the label, if nothing else. <laughs> oh, there's some charm to it. Yeah, there, it? There's charm, yes. It's funny um, because I've seen you, know, you see it in a liquor <laughs> store sometimes. Places, places that try to do yeah, that, yeah, like yeah. oh, it's moonshine. So it looks like it, look at our rustic label that we made by the millions. <laughs> you know, I used to like hand cramped up by the end of the long day right. of writing out the <laughs> right. name. Of the, <laughs> like spelling it wrong by the end of it, have a little nip from each one. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Quality control. All right, that's you got it now, boys and girls. Grandpa Shine, highly endorsed by USA Kilts. Yeah, I'm sorry we can't get. But you, you guys can't a, get it. Yeah, you can't get it exactly. So sorry about that. But if you, Grandpa goes into business, we'll let you know. Well, let's put it this way: if you've ever been inspired to try and distill stuff, you can yeah. do it. Go for it. Yeah. It, Get that get that poutine going, man. I know. I I'm I'm literally flabbergasted because we've had, you know, hundred dollar bottles of scotch, which that we didn't like are very as. similar. Yeah. Like you know, some above, some below, but damn close to grandpa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, cheers. Here's to you, grandpa. Thank yeah, you very cheers. much. Launch of Yeah. It's send more. <laughs> All right. <It's> lovely. <clears throat> Boys and girls, you know the drill. Put in the questions on the old Facebooks, on the YouTube, on the Twitches, and we will get to them uh, as we go along here. Um, in the meantime, Mac, as you are collecting questions, Mr. Eric, what do you want to start with? I got a lot. We got a lot this week that are um, pithy. So maybe we'll pithy. look up to see how many we can get to. Um, I will start with a, uh, a somewhat funny and simpler one, believe it or not. Uh, Robert Hughes, our good friend Robert Hughes, asked us, why does Hollywood get Highland dress so wrong? We'll see how much the whiskey is affecting your judgment. You know, just dive yeah, right in. Um, I'm not the historian, so I will, I will say this. <clears throat> they seem to be getting it better. They seem to be improving than they did, let's say, 
you know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. time frame Hollywood's existed. Um, it's been around for like 100 years, yeah. Yeah. Um, my my mind goes to it, they're trying to get better. Costuming is getting better. It's not perfect. I mean, it's still a story that you're trying to tell. There's still, you know, right. limitations on what they can do and can't do. Um, but I would kind of give a pat on the back to historians, to people who love costume, mm-hmm. love doing things properly. I will give a pat on the back to you people, and I'll, I'll, I'll include you in that as well, oh, um, in, in putting pressure and critiquing Hollywood and saying, yeah. no, it's not good enough. You're wrong here, you're wrong there, the riding boots shouldn't have been that, this is wrong, that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. Riding and boots? What are you talking of, about? Yes, exactly. Um, you know, picking it apart and being critical. The more critical people are of Hollywood, the better they will be, the more they have to raise yeah. the bar yeah. across the different, you know, production mm-hmm. studios or mm-hmm. whatever. So I give a tip of my hat. If I was wearing one, you get a, you know, yeah, nothing from me now. But I give a tip of my hat to those who are critical of it, who are forcing them to up their game, because the more they up their game, mm-hmm. the better it becomes, the more historically accurate it becomes, and it's less... Braveheart, blue face paint, and you know that kind right. of thing—made up right. stories. Right, and more, and more Robert the Bruce. Yeah, it's yeah. it is Hollywood. There will always be an element of not a documentary to it, right. and good right. storytelling to it, and twisting the truth for the narrative of the story. But at the same yeah. time, the the clothes can still you know have room for improvement, and I mm-hmm. think have improved. Mm-hmm. I think um, I had a couple of thoughts on this. There's uh, the first example or set of examples that came to my mind was that um, there's actually been like three different movies about Rob Roy made. Uh, one was like way back in the day, I forget what year. Um, might have been, it was like a, yeah, it was like a 1930s okay. early talkie. Oh, yeah. And then there was a Disney one in the 50s. And then there's the one that we all know and love uh, from the 90s with Liam Neeson. And if you look at those, uh, you can see the progression of the costume and getting better and better and better over the course of those decades. Um, although, it, funnily enough, the Disney one actually has a couple of details in it, like castellated hose, which when I saw, I was like, "Oh, castellated hose! That's cool, nicely done." Um, you know, so it was it, that was uh, uh, considering it was done in the fifties. I was like, "Okay, they yeah, actually made a details. sincere attempt," yeah. you know. Um, but at the same time, you still have things like you know, you know, Highlanders with little tiny heater shields, you know, like knights in shining armor and stuff like that, and weirdness. But um, so that's one progression I've seen. Seen that it, it's kind of cool. Um, and then um, the other thing that, uh, kind of contrary to that, is uh, there's a guy named Atten Shea, or Atten Shea, who does films, history films on YouTube, and he made a video about Hollywood, and he said, look, at some point you just have to make up your mind that it's just a movie. It is entertainment, and you kind of have, you know, as much as we get frustrated by some of this stuff, at some point you just kind of have to, like, turn, turn your criticism on, which is like, okay. I'm just here to be entertained. It's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. It is fiction. But, uh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. where I fall. Um, uh, I'm squarely in that camp. I, I, you know, shh, don't, don't, don't kill me. But I enjoy Braveheart for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't view it as historically accurate. Um, would they have done better if they put the disclaimer at the front of it? You know, you know it has been adapted for, you know, whatever. You know, some kind of disclaimer at the front. This isn't history. It's it's close. A work of fiction. Um, yes. Um, sure, but for what it is, it's it's well done. It's well produced. Um, for the effect that it had on Highlandware and the entire, you know, uh, you know focus on the culture. Yeah. 
it, it we kind of have to be grateful because it, yeah. was a, it was a watershed event. Yeah, and it really got the modern kilting industry going. Yes, and I, I would respect. say in not quite the same, you know, instantaneous bam, but in a similar way, Outlander has had a positive, a net positive effect. Oh, yeah. You take all the negatives and all the positives and you weigh them, you know, back and forth, and it's a net positive. Same thing with Braveheart. Yeah. Yes, there is historical inaccuracies in it, but it's still a net positive. Mm -hmm. The, uh, and, and Outlander, you've got the, uh, I, the the two things that we always point out about Outlander that are irksome are the boots, uh, because at some point somebody thought that the uh, the traditional shoes just looked too wimpy, they didn't look manly enough, um, and then the uh, the uh, the muted tartans, the muted weathered, you know, yeah. invented invented yeah. tartans for the show were just kind of like no, they actually yeah, ta da, you know, no no they would have been. A lot brighter than that. A lot more red. You know, and they didn't actually more. have clan tartans at that point, really. Yep. Not really. Um, but other than that, the costuming is generally considered to be very, very good. You know, for the for the time period it's, it was made, they, yeah. the woman who did it, whose name is escaping me, I apologize, but she did a lot of work to try and get it right. Yeah. But the decisions that were made, this is another point that, that comes up to me, is that usually the errors come in with... Um, some kind of a bow to modern aesthetics, modern fashion. So, for instance, we are used to, and and modernly, people send, tend to seem to really like earthier tartans. Yeah. So, that plus everything, everything that's old or medieval or renaissance or 18th century has to be weathered looking and and primitive looking and dirty, because you know they didn't know how to have washed themselves until 1865. Everybody knows that. Um, so. That you, you're, you're when Hollywood is trying to bow to modern expectations of how things should look or what looks attractive, that's where they go wrong. It's like you'll typically see more errors in the costuming and the hair uh, and the makeup of the, and the shoes of the yeah. of the lead characters than you will the extras. Yes, there are movies where like everybody looks perfectly historically accurate except for the the female lead who looks very fashionable for today's standards because. Yeah, who's going to want to see a woman look like they looked like back then? Max nodding his head here. It's like, yeah. yeah. I, I will say this much in defense of Outlander. The weathered tartans were, I think they probably um, based their tartan designs based on what you were talking about. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's old timey. It's in the, you know, the 16th, whatever, you know, 1700s. Therefore, it should be old and grimy and, and brown and dirty looking. I think they also had something to do with the comeuppance of, or the comeuppance, the comeuppance, the the, yeah. the coming up of weathered tartans in like how they're popular right now. Mm -hmm. It's it happened to parallel around the same time mm -hmm. when they started becoming more popular. Okay. Dog Leash did the original okay. reproduction tartan back in the 1950s, and it kind of was just sitting there in the background. La Karen coming out another mill coming out in the 2000s with weathered tartans and really promoting them, they came into their own in the mid-2010s, so 2015, oh. 18, huh. so which when they really started really becoming popular. Outlander. So I think Outlander kind of helped crest the wave and you know bump hmm. the wave up and okay. build it versus, okay. so it's, it's, it's a little bit of, at least in the U.S., I'll put it that way. Mm, could be, um, it could be a zeitgeist thing too. I mean, yeah. you see a lot more weathered, I don't know when the the fad for weathered uh, and tartans in wedding rentals in the UK. Uh, 
it, it happened. happened with the tweeds. Mac, yeah. when were you married again? What year? Wait. I hope, oh, wait. I hope Brittany's not watching. <laughs> it took mm -hmm. me too long. Um, Mac got married in a black kilt, and that was right around the middle to tail end of the the solid black you know, tartan, or solid black kilts being popular, the shadow tartans, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then after that kind of died off for a little bit, then the pipe band started going into the tweed jackets and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that was 2010, 12 range. Um, and then out of that became popularity for the weathered tartans to match with more tweeds and that kind of yeah. thing, more earth tones. And then from there, and Outlander was around do you, know what, do you know when the, the first season of Outlander was? Um, I um, want to say it was around then, 2015, 16-ish. I remember packing um, up the kilts for the Stars Network that we did. 2014. Yeah. Remember that? 2014 was the first year. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's they just they hit on it at the right time, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and it was already it was already yeah, building. Came, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing, which came first. Or... I think the 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 weather tartans obviously came first because the yeah. you know 1950s kind of thing. The popularity and, of them. I mean. Yes, exactly. It's it's they kind of propped each other up. It's two okay. guys standing okay. back to back, standing up. Got it. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, shocker! The media influences fashion. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it happens. Yeah. So it's uh, it'll it'll keep changing. It'll yeah. Keep changing. There'll be always be those. Uh, I think Hollywood is definitely, definitely getting more historic, but you have to expect they will always bow to modern fashions somehow, just to make sure they can sell the product. Yes, so, yeah, there, yeah. You know, there's. It's not just the movie; it's the marketing of it. It's the, you know, the toys you sell with. It's everything having to do with that. It's like there's a lot bigger web than you think about. Merchandising, exactly. where the real money of the picture is yeah. made. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. <laughs> Spaceballs, the snow cone maker. Yeah. <laughs> Outlander. <laughs> Random tangent. You gotta love Mel Brooks. Um, so yeah, it's it's more than just the movie, and they think about it in bigger terms, I'm sure, than we're even thinking about. But it's yeah, yeah they're getting better on the whole, but it will always be affected by current day. It's we're right. we're kind of repeating ourselves, but yep. yeah, yeah, we're right on. Yeah. So indeed, Shaggy Dog. Indac exactly. Speaking of indactly, I think I need more Grandpa's shine. shine. Okay. Grandpa. So it's gonna be Max's turn next, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I'm gonna pour pour more more Grandpa Scotch or whatever this is. Uh, Celtic whiskey. Celtic whiskey. He calls it Celtic whiskey. Grandpa's Celtic whiskey. Grandpa's shine. Celtic whiskey. Before Mac gets to his question. Well, we have Fluffy. He made a comment. Fluffy? That Fluffy. That's the name that's on the screen. Okay. Um, What's up, Fluffy? Mel Brooks remake of Outlander. When? Oh, that would be hysterical. <laughs> I kind of would. Um, uh, I kind of want to see Mostly that retired at this point. Though. I don't think. Isn't Mel's there going to be a Spaceballs three now or Spaceballs two? I mean, um, it'd be funny if there was three because there never <laughs> was a two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were. They were uh, originally know, either it was a know. joke or a rumor they were going to do Spaceballs three, the search for Spaceballs two. Um, they did a cartoon. Okay. Back in the day. Didn't go anywhere, but they, they tried yeah. to make it into a cartoon. All right. Very good. Mr. Mac, what do we got next? All right. We have Just Me, Jesse, <clears throat> on YouTube asking, can you wear a great kilt draped down the back for a wedding as a groom or other formal occasions? If so, how should I dress it up? I know. See, I know. I know. See, he said two words there <laughs> I, I don't want in the same sentence. Can you wear a great kilt as a groom... 
Yes, for formal, no. So it's, it's, mm -mm, they're diametric. In my mind, and I know you're about to contradict me or have a different opinion, and that's fine. Um, in my mind, a great kilt is not formal, period. Um, formal is a Prince Charlie or a Montrose or a Cher, whatever, and a proper eight yard kilt that is formal, bow tie, you know, the, the old jabot, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. it's not formal. Can you still wear it as a groom? Sure. If you wear it with a Prince Charlie, the tails go down the back, they kind of get in the way. It just, it looks, looks like you're wearing jeans with a tuxedo jacket. It's not, or, or a biker chain with wingtips. It's weird. Um, it doesn't work in my brain. Mm. Um, so that is how I would approach it. Can you do it? Sure, it's your wedding, dude. Do what you want. I don't care. I'm not there. Unless you invite me. I might show up. Who knows? But it's it's your day. You do what you want to do. But it's not formal. You're using the word formal. It's not formal. Yeah. That's what I would mostly okay. say. Okay. But I, I would say basically... Um, I know you're more lenient when it comes to that kind of stuff. Of course I am. But yes. the... But the um, what it comes down to, an analogy I've made before, or an observation I've made before, is that a great kilt is soft, okay, and flowy. Lines of formal dress in the 20th and now 21st century are very angular and crisp. When you try and combine the two, it's going to look off. It's going to look a little weird. Um, so they don't really mesh well together. Now, I do appreciate that you mentioned uh, the idea of wearing it with the tails hanging down in the back as opposed to bringing it up over the shoulder, um, which implies that you were thinking in terms of Maybe you've seen our other videos or something where we've said, you know, that it especially looks bizarre if you have a great kilt coming up on top of a Prince Charlie jacket. It just looks, ugh, and, and the jacket gets all wonky, and it's just, it's not a good thing. Um, if it's a theme wedding, if you're doing something medieval, something renaissance, something fantasy, something outlander, you know, and you want to do like an 18th century looking jacket or a waistcoat or something with a poofy shirt, then sure. Um, if you're trying to do a modern wedding, uh, in the typical sense of a modern wedding, you know, church wedding or something like that, something that the grandparents are going to be okay with, you know, then then you probably want to go with a regular modern kilt. So it, de it depends on the theme. It really depends on on the on the how the how the rest of the wedding is meant to look. I'm gonna kick myself for this coming out of my face hole later on, but his face hole, <clears throat> my face hole. Mm -hmm. um, what if, I can't believe this is gonna, I'm even going to say this. Okay. What if he did something with a shorter style jacket like a Montrose? Are you mad? No, I know, where it's not going to interrupt the tails. Um, I still think you have that floofy versus crisp yeah, I don't angular like it. problem. Now, if you had like a, yeah, I, I was. Well, I'm thinking more a, like bringing it around and attaching it versus just laying down in the back, which he said he was going to do. So I'm kind of off. I still think but, it would be a bad idea. Yeah, I, I don't like the idea in general. Um, no, like a, a Renaissance doublet, you know, some, again, going, thinking about clothing forms of the time when great kilts were commonly worn, you can probably make it work. But m combining modern formal dress, a lot of which comes out of the jazz age, with, you know, floofy great kilt, that's floofy, that's hand sign for floofy, floofy. Yeah. that's floofy, yeah. floofy. Um, Angular, floofy. Yeah, it's kind of it. crossing the streams there. Mac? There, he is uh, on here as well. He's asking, what about a vest laying and laying in the back? I think a vest would be more forgivable. And yeah. that, but that implies, if you're just wearing the vest, then that implies it's a less formal uh, wedding anyway. And you're I not worried about jackets. And I wouldn't wear a like a bow tie and like a, a, a formal yeah. tux kind of shirt. 
Just um, go with the shirt open. Maybe, shirt maybe a, 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 a kerchief or, or a jabot or a rouge tie, but... Buckle brogues? Yeah, of course, buckle brogues. They're actually <laughs> more period than regular, regular ghillie brogues. Um, yeah, I mean, because, the, again, you're... you're if you have like full sleeve, very floofy shirt, and you have a, a waistcoat of some kind, um, you might get away with it that way. Yeah, but. it's ultimately I would say this: you're asking our permission. We do not grant it. However, it is not ours to grant. It's your wedding. Do what mm. you want. Yeah, do what your bride wants. And he says, "Thanks, thanks for letting him know. I had to ask here rather than on the phone, so we can have a recording of the show for the, <laughs> for, for the CEO, or the okay. fiance." Yep, yep. There you go. There you go. Indeed. All right, Mr. Eric. I'm imagining like a monitor at the front of the church or something. And I was like, hi, Rocky and Eric here. Welcome to the wedding. What you'll see today, don't be shocked, is a great yeah. kilt worn with a bag. Snipers, please stand down. We get permission. <laughs> God, I never want to be in a position like that. Um, you don't want the ultimate power over life and death? Who doesn't? For some people. Yeah. Um, all right. Maybe someone in this room. Do you want a hard one or a, <laughs> you want a hard one or an easy one? Um, yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay, I'll give you an easy one to start off with. Uh, Jack Wilmoth asked us, uh, "Can I wear my special forces green beret with my black watch kilt and green vest slash jacket?" Sure. Absolutely. Totally. It's not traditional Highland wear, but as long as you're not trying to look traditional Highland wear, sure. Mm -hmm. And our understanding is that if you're using some uniform elements, decorations with civilian dress, um, it's okay if you're trying to split the difference between uh, a dress mess kind of uniform and a kilt or something like that. That's, they don't like that. Um, but just having a little bit of a splash of your military heritage in the outfit is not considered stolen valor or anything. It's not considered Especially desecrating the uniform. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not stolen so, valor because he did it because he right, really grew right. That's why. Yeah, it's the wrong term. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but desecrating the uniform or yeah. going like off the beaten path kind of thing. No, now, now, he may be coming at that from the angle of the fact that the Black Watch is an official tartan of the British military. So he's combining American military with British military in one outfit. Is that going to annoy anybody? Probably. Do you care? It's uh, yeah. And where everything are you planning on will annoy it? someone. You will always find someone who will be offended, triggered, annoyed, pissed off, whatever, at something you do. You have to decide for yourself, do you care? Does that mm -hmm. person's opinion of you, who you're never going to meet again, matter? Right. If it does, then don't do it. If it doesn't really matter, then do what you want. Within the bounds of good taste. Yeah. 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 Very much. So. Indeed. Have that, as a friend of mine Indeed. sometimes says. Absolutely. Over to you, Mac. Well, this one kind of goes along with what you guys are already talking about. Um, should we have Sean asking? Um, he's getting married next year. He's going <coughs> to wear his USMC uh, tartan. Cool. Um, question he's asking is, should he wear medals or a fly plate? And should he take it even further and wear the Marine Corps sword as well? I would... My, my brain goes to this. In Highland wear, less is more. Now, they're your medals. They're your sword. You earned them. Mm. So I don't want to detract from that. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, in Highland wear, simpler is better, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. um, I would not <clears throat> wear both. That was not your question. 
but I appreciate the fact that you said either this or that. Um, so I would say, if you are not going to wear the fly plate, then mini metals and maybe the sword, but I think it's kind of overkill. Because um, it's not like you're, if you were wearing your uniform, sure, fine. <clears throat> but since it's not uniform, I would say the metals, no sword, no fly plate, or the fly plate and forget the sword, forget the metals. The fact that you are wearing the USMC tartan, the Leatherneck tartan, is enough. Mm -hmm. The, um, yeah, and again, it, it will depend on what you want the wedding to look like and what you want those photos to look like. Um, we've typically, what we've, how we've answered this before is that um, check your regulations for your branch. There's usually some kind of a uh, stipulation there on uh, where medals or ribbons or mini medals should be worn in terms of the lapel on the jacket and what times of day is appropriate for each type. So is it a daytime wedding or an evening wedding, yada yada, that kind of thing. Um, try to mirror those regulations for wearing the, the, the fruit salad with a jacket as best you can if you're going to wear them. We've had some people wear the fly plate on the opposite shoulder in order to not compete with the medals. I've also seen people put the medals, uh, or ribbons rather, um, on the same side with the fly plate. And I even once saw somebody put the ribbons on the fly plate, which I think was a mistake. Um, but this, this is no not... thinking. Take the word think well, out of that sentence. It's not... Okay. What I've, what I've seen, it, a lot of time, it's not... Yeah, it's not done with uh, a lot of forethought, but it's done with a lot of sincere intent. And the most the most common time I see that it looks a little awkward is, and God bless them, um, you see these veterans in the UK, you see photos of these guys at memorial events. We're talking like World War One, World War II uh, veterans, and they're putting on all the, the stuff for the special occasion, the huge, big special occasion. And they're being encouraged to do that um, and they do it and it kind of looks a little awkward sometimes so it's too much yeah it can, just... it, it can be too much the um, so my personal opinion would be I would keep the ribbons and ditch the fly plate because uh, we often will comment that fly plates look awesome you become super scott with your cape but it's uh, it, you know, like that uh, but it's a uh, it's kind of a pain in the butt a lot of time too um, very romantic if you're incorporating it into the ceremony somehow like wrapping the end of it around your bride's wrist or something I don't know yeah, usually that's a shawl for her yeah put it over her yeah. shoulders yeah. you know like you know you're part um, of the clan now then sure um, think about how you want things to look and how you th want things to progress um, but personally I'd almost rather see the ribbons um, or alternately go with the fly plate for the wedding uh, and save those ribbons for occasions which are a bit more somber uh, you know, for instance, if it's a, a someone else's wedding that you're asked to be a groomsman for and you want to show honor um, to them, or if a funeral and you want to show honor to the person uh, who's being laid to rest and you want to, but not overdo it. That makes sense to me. Can I finish? Yes. Keep, keep cogitating. I'm going to keep my finger up. The sword. Um, that's very good, Rocky. We'll get to you in a moment. Um, the sword, I think you may find, is a bit of a, a pain... Um, practice wearing it with the whole outfit if you're going to do it. Uh, you don't want to hit people. You don't want it rattling against a pew as you walk down the aisle. You don't want to lift somebody's skirt. I've seen it happen. Um, it can be it can be a, a hassle. I'm assuming you've worn it several times, so you already know how it feels, but make sure you know how it feels with a kilt. Um, my temptation would be to not do the sword. Maybe do it for the grand entrance at the reception and then go from the reception entrance where, hey, here's the couple, and then you know draw it and slice the cake with it and then get it out of the way. 
um, or something like that, or make a big deal about having somebody carrying your sword for you into the reception, and then when it's time to cut the cake, have them present the sword to you. That's a very medieval thing to do. Um, not really, more Renaissance, but the point, you see what I'm seeing, play with it, but don't let it become a hindrance. Don't let it become something that's going to be, like, distracting or causing a problem during the ceremony. You don't want anything to get in the way of that moment. I'm, I'm picturing when you said, don't let the sword lift someone's skirt. Him at the altar with the sword, and he turns to his bride and lifts the the best man's kilt up the back or something. Right. The right. Um, uh, yes, ceremonial sword. Modern ceremonial swords are not the same issue as period swords. They're tiny. Yeah. yeah. But the um, no, it's the only the only asterisk I would give for I would probably prefer the medals over the fly plate mm -hmm. is if your groomsmen were men that you served with, mm. they are going to be mm. dressed in like dress blues right um, with their medals, then I would probably forego the fly plate and wear your mini medals so you're kind of in line with the groomsmen yeah. Yeah. Um, versus wearing the fly plate. And again, at that point, I would probably forego the sword. Um, I like your idea of using it for the wedding cake and that kind of thing. It's I used, common, really. I used but... my dirk for the wedding cake at mm -hmm. my wedding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, I'm feeling that. Didn't have a sword at my wedding. You had the you had the cannon, right? We had a cannon go off. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty badass. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Half the half the audience at the wedding were expecting it, and we're like, yes. And the other half did weren't expecting it, and we're like, <laughs> I thought my grandfather was gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> the look on his face. I just happened to look over and see him. He, it was that was a that was a moment. That was a moment. <laughs> right when we kissed, first kiss, boom, the cannon went off. Now, was your grandfather a veteran? Okay, I was gonna say. Like, he did not. Have, it was not a PTSD yeah, thing or anything like, like that. Jumps under his seat or something. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's just surprising. Yeah. But okay. It was a good time. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Who was that? You? I think we just probably made his life even more complicated with that answer. <laughs> well, um, the easy answer is medals. That's it. Done. Do that. Yeah. If you want a short answer, there you go. If you feel like sending us money and you're buying from us, feel free to buy the fly plate. Sure. Yeah. Was that you or Mac? Uh, that was Mac. Okay. So just just be me. Um, since we're talking about ceremonial occasions, I'm going to make the mood a little more somber here. Um, just, you know, since we're rolling that way. Kirk Kinnaman, hey Kirk, uh, friend of the show, um, mentioned that, quote, someone in the Kilts and Culture group a while ago asked about going to a funeral kilted, and I was wondering, you know, if he thought it'd be interesting to learn more about this as a custom. He says, since we're ingrained to wear dark and somber colors at funerals, how does that work with Highland wear, especially when you have all these uh, loud, bright tartans? Or are we all supposed to keep like a mourning tartan in our wardrobe just for that occasion? Is that how do you how do you parse sure. loud and proud with a funeral? Um, I've been to uh, unfortunately I've been to a few funerals in my day. Mm -hmm. um, for the majority, uh, I was not kilted um for my father's funeral for instance um i did not wear a kilt you know we've had i had a lot of people ask me well you know why aren't you wearing a kilt you know oh you in the kilt shop you should be wearing and it's like no my dad didn't wear a kilt he didn't mm -hmm. you know he loved me he loved that i owned a company but it, kilts weren't his thing mm -hmm. so i was doing it more you know suit and tie kind of thing to, as honoring him um so my my general rule personal general rule of thumb if the person knew you as a kilt wearer or they were a kilt wearer and you're wearing it to honor them, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. 
the the funeral after all is it is a celebration of their life and it is for the living it is not for them it's for their family it's for their friends it's for their community that they built during their life mm -hmm. so if they were in a pipe band let's say they're a piper in a pipe band yes i would absolutely wear a kilt if they were you know my my friend that i knew since i was you know two years old who you know died a few years ago I wouldn't wear a kilt because she didn't wear kilts. I was just friends with her. So it would be, in my mind, it's kind of, it's pulling attention from the deceased, from the reason that I'm there. But if it's being worn to honor the person that's there, it's a different ball game in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to differ slightly. Um, I think that, I think that you know, it's uh, we, we, we comment on this a little bit that, uh, a funeral is not exactly the same paradigm as a wedding where you could basically ask the bride, hey, is it okay if I wear a kilt to the wedding? Um, we often recommend that. A funeral, that's a little more awkward. Um, <laughs> however... That's horribly awkward. However, um, I do think that for a lot of people, um, a kilt equates to your Sunday best. It is your suit. It is your best outfit. And I actually did have... Tom, if you could bring up the image, uh, Scottish funeral, please. Um, a lot of time, as in the U.S., you'll find people just wearing regular suits for a funeral. Um, but, hey, this guy, he's a, he's a pallbearer. See, he, he's younger, so I'm guessing he's related to whoever the deceased was. He's wearing a kilt. That is how he chose to honor him. And so he's doing the, he's doing the, the, the Sunday best, uh, showing that I care by wearing my best outfit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you can take it down, Tom. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's gauge your audience. Um, the basic rule of thumb for me is that you're going, if you're going to wear a kilt, make sure the rest of your outfit is appropriately simple. Um, don't put on the dog. Don't wear a Prince Charlie. Yeah. You know, don't no wear a red doublet. Yeah. Yeah. No dress sworn. You know, or anything like that. Um, maybe you only have one sworn, but yeah. But uh, keep it kind of like day wear. Keep it simple. Simpler is better. Yeah. Yep. But the point is, um, I feel like as long as you were close enough to the family that they get you then wearing the kilt if it's especially if it's a clan kilt if it's a tartan kilt that's your clan that's putting on your best and that's showing your that's showing honor um through your clothes so i personally don't have a problem with it i think it's 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 a way of showing honor yeah so, so i don't but, disagree but uh but yeah i mean if they're all you know a, a very humble church going family down in mississippi and if you show up in a kilt they're gonna get weirded <clears throat> out yeah maybe it, maybe not it depends if it's your wife's you know, second cousin that you never met, but you're there to support your wife, and you've never really you know, interacted with the family, then mm, no, forego it. And we're also in the mm -hmm. U.S. It is still, you know, as much as we love to wear them every single day, it is still not the norm in the U.S. We mm -hmm. are still outliers as mm -hmm. much as we pretend not to be. Mm -hmm. um, so in Scotland, meh, it's done, you know, ish. Yeah. In the U.S., it's done less unless the person is either very close to you or they're known to wear kilts, appreciate kilts, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'll say, um, as far as to the second part of the question about having a special tartan, no. Um, if it's basically, usually, again, it's going to be your clan tartan, assuming you have one. Um, the uh, we, we looked into it a little bit to, were there special tartans for mourning? And Tom, you could call it the Stuart Mourning Tartan image, please. M-O-U-R-N. Mourning. Mourning tartan, yep. not mourning as in time of day. Um, Here's a thing which sort of exists, 
It exists, but we don't know why. But not really. It is in the it is in the register, in in, in the Scottish government. It is officially registered. Um, that is the Stuart Dress Morning Tartan, and it originally only it it supposedly dates to 1880, and was included in a very mysterious tome known as the Clans Original, which, as best as anybody knows, Tom, you can remove the image now. I think, um, is basically a swatch book. Uh, which wound up in a tailor's in Paris, and the only known copy of it now is in the possession of Pendleton uh, Weaving Company in Portland, Oregon. Pendleton Woolen Mills right. in Oregon, yes. Um, so the veracity of that, the uh, provenance of that as being a real tartan is questionable. Um, have we ever asked, had anybody ask for it or want it? No. I dig it. I'd wear it. I think yeah. it's kind of cool looking. It's black and white. It's on trend yeah, for right you, now. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. always on trend for me. Yep. But the um, but there there really isn't a tradition of so-called mourning tartans. You just you wore your clan colors. It's about funerals or about family. Clan is family. You represent the family. So that's it. Indeed. But there is no such thing as having to have a special kilt for yeah. funerals. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Mr. Mack. Most of the comments that are coming in about this are a lot of people are saying. For funerals, they're wearing darker colors, sure. more subdued. Yeah. Um, if you have options, yes, wear darker mm -hmm, colors. Mm -hmm. um, so you draw less attention to yourself, but at the same time, you're wearing a kilt. There will be attention paid. Yeah. Sorry, Mac, I interrupted you. I think there's other no, ways no. to do it, too. You know, I mean, you could, if you could, uh, one middle ground might be um, a, uh, a tartan tie. If you want to show the family support and the clan sol solidity, um, but you don't want to be kilted, you could do that. Um, if that's considered still too bright, I consider using a, a clan lapel pin or something. You know, just show the yeah. crest somehow. I think that would work. I think you the know. tie is the go-to or mm -hmm. lapel pin. It usually yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah. Or tie bar, yeah. Yeah. But indeed. Cool. Damn you, Grandpa. I want another glass of this. This is... I'm just, as usual, I'm just kind of slowly sipping on mine, seeing how it changes over time. As usual, I have down two and I want a third. That's great. Yes. <sighs> I like my coffee too, though. Mm -hmm. I want, I want my pipe. I, look, at least we have a nice, cozy fire. This is definitely a, a cold weather scotch. I'll say that. It's freezing outside today. Yeah. It is. I know. Did you see that sleet uh, this morning? Oof. It took me an extra fifteen minutes Snow. to get in here. Yeah. It's nasty. We're liars. So, go, <laughs> go ahead, man. We did get a message from Grandpa saying that uh, we should be. Should be careful on how much of that we're uh, <laughs> we're consuming. So you're you're not the boss of me. <laughs> I know my limits. Thank you so much, Grandpa. <laughs> thank you so much for watching and thank you so much. I need a so two mile Uber home. <laughs> it, it it really made our our week. That yeah, is, that was the, the coolest thing. Yeah. Cheers to you, Grandpa. Yeah. Cheers. So we haven't talked about it yet, but what tartans are y'all wearing today? Mr. Mack, why don't you go first? What tartan are you rocking I, back there? I am camera? wearing the County Crest uh, Longford today. Ooh, nice. Fancy. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very good. We got uh, Scott Red muted. Very nice. Uh -huh. Strathmore, 13 ounce. Very nice weave. Strathmore, nice. 13 ounce. Indeed, indeed. I am rocking the Kilts and Culture weathered. Well, it's Kilts and Culture tartan, period. There is no it's, other version. Yeah, there's no other version, so it's the Kilts and Culture <laughs> tartan. Um for the show and for the Facebook group. If you have not joined the Facebook group, go to Facebook and search on Kilts and Culture and join the group. Cheers. Yep. It's a dilly. It is the dilly. It's that John. 
Yep, my it's Philadelphian John. accent. Yes, it's John. Exactly. A lot of Johns go there, John. Exactly. It's a real John. It's a great John. Yeah. This tasty John. Facebook group. That's the John. Mac, you got one of them uh, question Johns? I do, and and this is a little bit more company history oriented. Ooh. We only talk about Celtic culture writ large. I'd rather not discuss personal I'm, matters. I'm large. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, you're working on it. Um, that shame yeah, Germ, Jamie, yeah. Aaron would like to know what the origin of our logo, the lion. Which one? Liam the lion. Mm. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> our original logo was a uh, uh, literally the back of a napkin drawn in a bar um, with the laurels, and we had a Celtic cross in there in the shield shape. Um, as the company evolved over time, um, we realized that not all of our customers were Christian, so we ended up taking the cross off of there as a broadened statement. Um, so we were trying to th- figure out what is the what's a good symbol of Scotland, yet it's also potentially a symbol of Ireland. Um, <clears throat> we kind of, my wife Kelly and I, settled on the lion, as in the rampant lion, and also something kind of inspired by the Book of Kells. So mm-hmm. we... We went to the Book of Kells looking for lion designs, and uh, uh, there's there's several. And here I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward and ruin ruin the story. Um, our uh, our good buddy Jamesy from Albanock uh, came into the shop one time. Oh boy. The the band Albanock. James is a great guy. He came into the shop to buy a tweed jacket because he needed a jacket, and uh, he didn't have a, sh- he had a sweatshirt. He didn't, didn't have a real shirt on, so we, uh, uh, I was like, here, take one of our our, our, our lion t-shirts, wear that, and then wear the jacket, and try some different ones on. He was sweaty. He rode on his bike or something. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so, put on the shirt, and he pulled up his arm, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, remind you of something? And he has a Celtic dragon, or excuse me, a Celtic, Celtic lion, lion from the Book of Kells on his arm. And I said, yeah, that's from the Book of Kells. And he's like, yep, yep, got that, got that same, you know, you know, lion on my arm there. And I said, yeah, our, our lion for our company logo, we actually tweaked a little bit. The lions from the Book of Kells look too much like a Chinese New Year dragon. So we went a little bit different with it. And the, 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 the color drained out of his face as he looked at his arm. And he's just like... Damn it! I can't unsee that now. So I completely destroyed the man's tattoo to his face. Love that I did that. But that's kind of the story behind the uh, the lion for the company. Is we wanted to kind of morph the the spirit of a Book of Kells lion with the rampant lion of Scotland, right. so we could incorporate both Ireland and Scotland together in it. And Kelly drew the original, right? No, she you? did not. She did oh, okay. not. You that drew. was no. It was uh, oh. our, our old T-shirt guy. Warren did it. Warren, Warren, yep. design. Warren did it. Oh, yep. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, no. Kelly did the uh, the big picture. She did the the, the mural yeah, the thing. Painting yeah, thing. Yeah, painting. Okay. But yeah, that's the origin of the lion was something that represents both Scotland and Ireland as a as a badass looking symbol. Yep. And we so. didn't, he didn't have a name until last year, and I said we need, we should name we him the mascot. It, yeah. So he's now Liam the lion. Yep. Not so. Leo, not astrologer. Leo, Liam. Liam. Yes, my son's name yep. is Liam, therefore, yep. Liam the Lion. Yep. And we're working on the mascot costume now. So exactly. Lucas coming dance around in the Liam the Lion costume. I was going to make Mac do it like on the show. The audio might be like either echoey if we put the mic inside <laughs> the mask. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're a question from the audience. 
We have one kilt maker over there that is terrified of mascots. I think we need to make her be the mascot. Oh, Ooh. do we now? Mm-hmm. Do we now? Hmm. Which one? Uh, Casey. Oh, nice. He's terrified of mascots? Mm-hmm. Wow. We need to hire okay. Gritty for our next company party. <laughs> I'd love to hire Gritty. Gritty expensive, though. Gritty is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're not allowed to use them for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Did you want to do a question that's not about the company, or shall I go ahead and one of mine first? Whatever you want to do. I'll just do one of mine first. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Mike Offerman from Facebook said, this may take a little time, how do I get into wearing a kilt every day, you know, as everyday wear, without the, quote, wardrobe shock, quote, to me, as well as my friends and family? I've tried it a while back, and my coworkers harassed me about it for weeks. Is it a commit or quit kind of thing? So, wardrobe shock is a term I hadn't heard before, but I get it. Yeah. I get it. Um, <clears throat> the wardrobe shock, I'll kind of put off for the, for the, the side for a minute. Um, uh, to answer your question directly, yes, it is a commit or quit kind of thing. Um, your two, two types of people will give you guff for wearing a kilt. Your best friends or family or random people who don't matter. And that's kind of where I'm going with it, is mm-hmm. they don't matter. Your family is doing it because it's just good-natured ribbon, you know, kind of thing, or they're a little bit weirded out by it, so they may want to have some open lines of communication on why you're doing it, and it's, you know, it's it's kind of what you're going to do from now on, so deal with it, mom, or whatever. But <clears throat> the other type of people who are going to give you good-natured ribbon, you have to develop a thick skin. If you're going to wear it to work, let's say you have an open work type environment. You work in a factory. They don't care if you're wearing a kilt. It's not a safety thing. Boom, done. Good. That's your your chosen garment of choice is the kilt. Um, there will be some random dude from second shift who oh, thinks he's funny. <laughs> um, and, oh, you're wearing the skirt again today, buddy. Yeah. Um, great. Look, Skeeter. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Um, you got to develop a thick skin about it and be like, oh, you're wearing your overalls again, bud. Good on you. Um, whatever. It's You have to develop. Sorry for people who wear overalls. Um, you have to develop a thick skin. You have to just accept the random acts of criticism from people that think they're funny. They're not necessarily trying to to call you out. They're trying to either get under your skin a little bit or they think they're funny. They're trying to amuse the rest of the people around you because they yeah. want to be cool. They want to be seen as cool. And my way of being, not mine, but their way of being cool is to put somebody else down to elevate themselves. The less you care, the less you react, the better you will be. It's if somebody's like, hey, nice skirt, thanks. Like that's the end of the discussion. It's you know, it's yeah. it's not a thing unless you let it be a thing. So the more you react, the more they will dig in, the more they will go at you. Get the less you react, the less you let them get your goat, yeah. the better it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of time they're showing their own insecurity and they're trying to circle the wagons with people they consider to be their friends and the normal people and try to use you almost kind of like a scapegoat to, to boost up their own fragile ego. So... Yeah. Funk that. You don't need that. 
Yeah, they're Got not. Time. They're not secure. They're not confident. Yeah. They're 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 scared little boys. Sometimes they're sometimes they're envious. They're yeah. envious. I don't. I I don't subscribe to the to the methodology. The the, the, the thought of they're they're just jealous. Mm-hmm. They're not jealous of you wearing a kilt. Mm-hmm. They don't like the kilt. That's why they're making fun of it. They're jealous of your confidence. Yep. They're jealous yep. of your security. Yep. They're jealous of how you don't care what other people think. Mm-hmm. That is why they're making a comment. Not because they care about your clothing, because they're jealous of you as a human and your mental fortitude as a human that they don't have, mm-hmm. period. So feel, and I, I would go to an empathetic place. Um, feel bad for them. Like it's there. There's something wrong. They are weaker men. They don't get it. They're not confident. I feel bad for those people. They're not as good of a man as you are. Mm-hmm. So, feel bad and let it roll off your back. Don't worry about it. It's just wind. Exactly. Now, if it's family, that can be challenging. That's different. Family kind of goes two directions. Either one, they're just busting your balls to bust your balls that's like they want to go at you because it's your older brother um and he's always been a jerk and he's like oh you stop hitting yourself kind of thing all the time or or it's a parent who's uncomfortable because you're doing something different something that they feel a little awkward with they feel a little weird with but that's why i stress the open communication thing Mm -hmm. if you're like mom look i know you don't dig on the kilt fine I won't wear it around you as much, but I am telling you, I want to do it. I am proud of our Scottish heritage. This is who I am. I dig on it. I'm confident enough. Girls love it. I don't care. I'm going to do it, mom. You got to just accept it. You have to have that open, honest communication with your parents, with your siblings, whoever it is, and just let them know that their opinion, while it matters to you, will not dictate how you live your life. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes with parents or other relatives, the human psychology goes that um, their job is to keep you secure and to provide you with as many opportunities to thrive as possible. And when they see something which is very obviously different from the norm, it fires a circuit in the back of their brain saying, "This is going to get them in trouble. This is going to get protection, them. O- this is going to yeah. ostracize them. They will not be able to thrive. I've got to protect them from themselves from a poor decision." Education is the only way to break that cycle. You know, they mean well, even as ignorant as it might be, you know, sometimes. I so. will go I will go one step beyond, give one other scenario. One step beyond. <laughs> the um, girlfriend slash wife or yep. parent sometimes has this, this theory, especially if you're younger. Let's say you're 16 and your mom's taking you to church, your dad's taking you to church. Um, they are afraid of what other people will think of them yeah. because you are wearing X. Now, if it's wife, if it's girlfriend, if you've worn kilts, they have nothing to say about it, period. Um, if they met you and you were already wearing kilts, then shut up. Nope, that's who I am. You've already accepted it. Move on. Um, if it's something you're doing different, they may be insecure. Why is he doing something different? Why is he changing? I fear change. Or yeah. they may think like, oh, people are looking at me standing next to you because they are introverted or antisocial or whatever because they don't want to draw attention to themselves but by wearing a kilt by the strict nature of wearing a kilt you're going to draw attention to yourself so they're uncomfortable with attention 
period, and even standing next to somebody who's getting attention, they're uncomfortable. Yeah. In that instance, then it's just a communication thing of, look, if we're going to be somewhere where there's a lot of attention paid to us, then fine for you, I won't wear the kilt. But if we're going to be going out to a random dinner, um, you know, date night, that kind of thing, I want to wear the kilt because I enjoy it. Or if I'm going to go out for a guy's night or out to play pool or whatever, um, then and you're not with them, you're going to wear a kilt because it's just you and your buddies don't care about the attention, but your wife might or whatever. It's it's all about respecting other people's boundaries and your own boundaries and communication and all that kind of stuff. This is not meant to be freaking Dr. Phil. I'm sorry it's going to become that, <laughs> but it holds true. It's like you've yeah. got to respect the people who are in your inner circle, but at the same time, it goes both ways. They have, they have to respect you, respect you period. Right. Done. Mm. I, I step off of my soapbox now. So end of the lesson, go in peace. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> I need a glow. No, All right. no, you're cocky enough as it is. We don't need to confer sainthood. Is it you or Eric? That was me, so All it's right, Max. Mr. Mac. All right, well, before we do the next question, we should probably do the... Ta-da! Hey, I'm back with an ambassador for this month. Her name is Elise Irvin, and she lives in North Carolina with her husband, uh, Carter. I almost said Connor, Carter. And they have two beautiful children. She's a stay-at-home mom, has a background in psychology. And uh, she is a relatively new but extremely avid serial kilter. Basically, uh, she got into uh, kilting uh, through being uh, married to Carter. Uh, he wore a kilt for their wedding back in 2012. And uh, she got on board with representing the Irvine clan and uh, invested in uh, some Irvine tartan. You'll see her wearing it in some of these photos that we have. And uh, the problem was she first got it and she was afraid to cut the cloth because of how much it cost. So she was all set to make herself a skirt or maybe even a kilt. And then she's like, ah, you know, which happens to a lot of people who do this on their own. Um, so she wound up using it basically her, her first piece of tartan she actually used as a wrap or as a, a bustle arrangement for uh, Renfair costumes or a sash or whatever. Um, so it wasn't actually until about a year ago that she actually got a first tailored kilt. She's now up to like three or four. She's got a, an Arisade and she's uh, got another kilt on order. I think it might be from us. Um, so she's in it to win it. And I liked the, I loved the, uh, her attitude because in the course of this journey with it, she's become pretty experimental with coming up with ways for women's fashion you know, to enjoy it. And they do it every chance they get. She and her husband are very active in the Renfrew community. Uh, he is a Highland athlete, so they're also very active in Celtic Festival community. Um, and that's kind of become their extended family. Uh, and so she loves getting out in the kilt and in the tartan to represent the clan and to represent her family, her nuclear family. And also because uh, it's an original thing to do. And she, I, I told her that when I did this, I was going to wind up quoting her verbatim because she had a couple of really cool things to say. She said, um, you know, clearly, I don't mind drawing attention to myself. I got blue hair and all that, but I still have my insecure or low days. So when I wear tartan, I like how I look and how I feel. It's empowering to wear something that is not what a lot of people will wear and in settings they don't normally wear it. It's hard to be shy or fearful when you're waving a pleated banner that says, here I am. Yep. You know, here I am. Um, the uh, the other thing she had, I asked her what, uh, what she would say to a noob, to a newbie getting into it, and... Uh, this was, this was great. Um, 
This is a little different from what our usual advice, but she said she recommends start in your comfort zone. Everyone always says jump in, you'll love it. And that works for some people, but you will get looks and you will get the question. A truly shy person uh, may not do as well, you know, in just jumping into the kilt and going out to the store. So they won't be ready for that kind of attention, whether it's positive or not. So she says, you know, start where you are and basically be gentle with yourself. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter in a sense whether you start with uh, uh, going whole hog, buying the entire outfit, wearing it for just special occasions, and then scaling it back as you get more comfortable. You know, like people will get something for a wedding and then they'll wear the whole shebang and then slowly start <clears throat> saying, well, I could wear a regular shirt with this or I could wear this on a normal day. Other people go the opposite. They get the kilt and ramp up from there. She says, either approach is fine. Trust your trust your instincts, trust your ego, and trust your level of security. Um, she said, one last one. Come on. She, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Um, you know, she says, uh, the Irvine clan motto is uh, sub sol sub umbra virens, which means I flourish in sun or shade. So being able to claim that and wear it is very motivating, especially on those days where you aren't feeling great and when I do, I'm reminded that I have a huge group of people behind me and beside me that are rooting me on. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's Irvin, Irwin, Irvin, yep. Irvine. Irvine. Um, yep. Yeah, all, all the same. Yeah. The, um, it's, I, I would take minor, hey, awesome phrase. Um, I like that. Uh, as a motto, clan it's motto. A great, it is a great motto. <clears throat> yes, it, it's it's only it's only second in my mind to Barclay, a gear up more either action or death. It's just it's a little more aggro. So it's a exactly. little more you. I get it. Slightly more aggro. Yes. Yeah. Um, I w I would say this. I I like her advice. Mm -hmm. Um, I would go. I would minorly take issue with it. In for women, it's a lot easier. You have a lot mm. more different things you can wear. A wrap, a shawl, a kilted skirt. Like, you can do a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. For guys, it's necktie or kilt. So it's yeah. it's for guys, it's time. it's tougher to, to you know, slowly wade into the water. So a lot, that's why we kind of go to the, it's easier to just jump in and mm -hmm. be done with it. As she mentioned, Amos, since they are active in the Ren Fair community, <clears throat> I think that's a, that's a good way in. That's a safe yes. environment for a lot of people. Yep, so yep, I yep. get that. Um, one of the things I, and one of the reasons I wanted to, pick her out as an ambassador also is that she's the first woman I've seen who's experimented with doing uh, a great kilt for casual modern dress. Yep. We have, it's getting a lot more popular with the guys. As we know, we're selling a lot of great kilts here at our shop. Um, she's the first gal I've seen playing around playing with. Playing around with it. Not just doing an arisade in a traditional fashion, but actually like, you know, t-shirt and great kilt to go out on the town. Yeah. So, and uh, the, the thing, she loves her, uh, the fact that they are raising their kids in a community. It's like an extended family. You know, like they're they're being raised to have this respect heritage, but also to feel like they're a part of something greater than themselves. Yep. So I think that's that's something that a lot of us feel. We don't always articulate, but by doing this stuff, you are kind of feeling like you're part of your tribe. So I I immediately go to the uh, behold the only thing greater than yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. The kilt king. Indeed. So um, Photoshop Rocky onto the Lion King. Cubs is it the Lion King or is it the Kunta Kinte thing? Well, you're calling something different. I was going. Yes. I was going because you made the, uh, the gesture. Of it. I was going Lion King. Was, yeah, but you're doing roots. Path. Either one. Yeah, roots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lavar Burton is a god, by the way. Yes, indeed. But. I wanted. Never mind. I'm stopping. <laughs> um, Mac, minor, minor show note. 
Let me know when there's 10 minutes left because I do not have a clock in front of me. Oh, look at that. <clears throat> well, this Indeed. is why traditional kilt wearers always have their pocket watch. Yes, I have my phone. I don't need a pocket it's watch. Quarter, it's quarter after My phone's four. in the other uh, in the other room now, so it doesn't matter. I always have a backup. Indeed, I should. Always I have a backup weapon. Mr. Mack, next question, pretty please. All right, this is a little bit of a historical question. Uh-oh. So, Eric may... I think you can answer it. Uh, I think you... <laughs> I was like, no. No, no, no this, is, this, would be, this would be probably a group effort, but um, <laughs> it's... Uh, or a group burial. <laughs> it, yeah, but it's also maybe one we might have to turn, you know, come back to eventually. Well, I do enjoy doing that, too. Um, so, is, is Shannon's asking, any info on kilts being worn in, U in the U.S. pre-modern day and not as part of a military uniform... Uh, i.e. Scots coming to the U.S. slash Canada during the 1700s or 1800s? I would, I would start with one of my favorite quotes. Uh, kilts are worn by Americans in Scotland and Scots in America. Um, where it's, it's, it's a joke, but there's, a, there's obviously an element of truth to it. You know, it, Americans, especially when they go to Scotland, want to feel Scottish. Therefore, they put on their kilt to connect with their heritage. Mm -hmm. Scots in the diaspora who come over to the U.S. or who are just visiting or whatever um, will wear a kilt to feel proud of Scotland and that kind of thing because they don't wear it that much over there. Um, that being said, there have been <coughs> kilt wearers in the U.S. for as long as there have been Scots coming to America, whether on holiday or coming here to live here. Um, so it's not, it's never been the norm, still isn't the norm as much as we would love it to be the norm. Um, it's, it's something that is definitely picked up steam, um, in the last 20 years or so, or 30 years since Braveheart and whatnot, sure. but it's, it's always been a thing kind of in the background. I mean, Dr. Uh, uh, Smith, who designed a ton of, uh, tartans, you know, American tartans and all kinds of different stuff going back to the seventies, at least 1970s. And before that there was, I'm sure there were people there. I don't have photographic evidence, but it, there had to have been. Ish. Um, this, Max smiling at me. Those we, pipe we, bands. Right, which actually reminds me of something else, which you always found amusing, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, the, uh, my understanding as of now, and this will definitely bear some extra research on Max and my part and yours if you want to, uh, is that actually you wouldn't necessarily find a lot of guys wearing kilts in the colonial period in this country. Um, bear in mind that a lot of the Scots who came over were coming over just like an outlander. Um, coming over with during the during or just after during the time of the proscriptions. So um, you might have tartan in your possession, but you were basically wearing um, very much normal, not Highland garb type clothing. And it was, uh, you might have, again, you might have tartan in your possession, but you, you weren't wearing national dress. You were wearing practical clothing because you're going to go into the wilderness and try to set up a homestead. Um, not the kilts are not good for that. It's just not something they did. Um, was, was there maybe a few guys who were wearing a great kilt or something in the, uh, in the 1700s when they came over here? Like 1750s, 1760s? Maybe. But for the most part, it was... A military thing with the British Army, not a civilian thing with colonists in the U.S. Um, momentum definitely built, uh, and that's why you have Tartan showing up as, you know, just as you have Scottish national identity evolving through the 19th century, um, 
you would have some of that happening over here too. So witness the fact that the, uh, what's the unit from New York, Mac? I always forget the name. 79th. Um, they were funded, their, their tartan aspects of their uniform were funded by a guy who was very proud of his Scottish heritage. That's why that unit wound, wound up being in tartan trues. Cameron, was um, it? Yeah. He, uh, he was yeah. Cameron? Cameron? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so as, as, as the fever started to take, more people would have tartan, but uh, have you seen any evidence of there being kilted colonists in the 18th century? And well, Let me I interject haven't. for half a second. I was my brain was going to 1900s forward, not yeah. 17 and 1800s. Right. So that's where I was going towards it's history. It's just more, heritage. More, more recent. Correct. Yeah. I was going more towards people wearing it for heritage reasons, not for uniform that type of reason for mm -hmm. you know, colonists forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I as I haven't come across anything solid saying kilts other than military. Yeah. Um, but I've seen like incorporated in garments. So like right. I've seen it in waistcoats and yep. um, there's one. I I'll have to root up the uh, article, but there was one where uh, somebody took a kilt, which was their father's military kilt, and used it as a backing for a waistcoat. Um, I remember, I remember you talking Seth about Spray, that. I think it was was the tartan. Yes, yes. Um, I'll have to dig that up. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, um, but it was things like that. I mean, you're still showing some heritage, but you also have to remember that the the clan tartan thing was not completely solidified in those early days yet either. So it's not like you were showing, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear this every day to show my family pride. You know, if you had some tartan in your wardrobe, it was just integrated into the rest of your wardrobe. And you had a mixture of lowlanders as well as a few highlanders coming over to the colonies. It was not like it was all clan-type, clan-associated people. You had just as many people from the borders and the Edinburgh area and stuff who were coming over to the colonies as people who are really wrapped up in the clan system up in the highlands so and i would also i would also put in there that um it's going to everyday life of colonials and people in the 1800s it's they're especially immigrants are trying to fit in mm -hmm. they're not trying to stand out as their own culture necessarily they're trying to fit into the existing culture that's here um and to assimilate into american culture as such as it was um versus trying to maintain every single aspect of their existing lives. Mm -hmm. So you could, you could, you, you could make isolate the way. Yeah. You could isolate to some degree. And some groups did come over because they wanted to isolate, um, you know, millenarian movements like the Amish and the Mennonites being a classic example. Fair. But yes, I mean, the, the predominant culture of the colonies was Anglo British, you know? So yeah, it was, yeah. You, you wanted to make money or you wanted to have a successful homestead. Then you would need to assimilate to some degree. Yep. But hope it doesn't burst any bubbles, but possibly. That's one, that's one thing I do gotta give Outlander credit that basically he is not kilted through the whole series. He is his clothing adapts the way a lot of people's clothing adapted in the course of that time period. So Yes. Yeah. Indeed. So Alright, Mr. Eric. Was that okay. you or was that Mac? Uh that was Mac. Okay. And that was a I wanna think more about that one, but uh Yeah. That was a we got a couple of busy ones here. So, I'm going to do a slightly silly one here. Mike Ansley, the kilted cabbie, <coughs> known and loved, asked, Rocky, why are kilts cool? Yes. They are. Why are kilts um, cool? Why are they cool? I'm not cool. I'm broiling. I know. It's warm in here. It's freaking fire. Um, cool. 
and whiskey. The um, uh, they're cool because they, yeah, two things. One, there's air conditioning. It's you know, it's a lot of breeze, ventilation. <clears throat> two, they exude confidence. Period. I, it's there. There's that is why it is not the garment itself. It looks awesome. Um, you can do a bunch of different things with it. Um, it brings a lot of guys out of their shell. They get to play with color in a way that they don't normally do. Yeah. They get to play with fashion in a way they don't normally do. Um, but ultimately, it's just the confidence that it, I won't say instills because the confidence is obviously already there, but the, the confidence that it lets shine through in the person wearing the kilt is what makes it cool. Yeah. Now you pointed out before that a lot of guys are not comfortable or raised to think about fashion. Yeah. So it is definitely a chance to play around with clothes, which maybe you haven't before. But that's the theme for the, the, the show is confidence, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like what, three three or four different topics now? Yeah. I don't I don't have enough confidence. I'm I'm too shy. Yeah, I know. I said well, you should wear some more color. I'm too reserved. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's right. Try to come out of your shell. You're among friends. Right? Right guys? I'll I'll try to be more confident and louder next time. <laughs> Maybe not louder. <laughs> Mr. Mack. Alright, so we have Chris. Chris has asked a couple questions and we've actually touched on a few of them and some of your other answers. Um, but he he just said, I purchased my first kilt ever. I was just curious how many kilts the average kilt wearer has. If you're an everyday wearer, do you wear the same kilt every day? <coughs> or is there one for each day? The average number of kilts that a kilt wearer wears is 86. So Chris, ooh, mortgage your house. Get on it. Um, yeah, now what's, what's the, what's a, um, I don't know what the average is for someone who wears them regularly. Uh, it's gonna guess. It's gonna be a guess. Yeah. Um, I have somewhere in the 40s. Um, I have ones that I wear a lot more often, ones that I wear less often, ones that fit, ones that don't. Um, I'm a fat kilt, some skinny kilt. Um, I don't know what accent that was. Skinny kilt. Uh, that's that's skinny Rocky. You have to put shoulders up. Skinny kilt. Okay. Um, okay. Is that Roscoe? <laughs> Roscoe, be gold train. Get, 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 flash. Oh, God. Get flash. I'm too boy. You'll be coming by here just any moment now. I can feel it in my bones. I just, I just can't wait to get. Uh, um, stop. <clears throat> what do you think the what is a good average number of kilts for sane people for someone who wants to wear a kilt wants to become a serial kilter wear a kilt every day if they want to for every day if they want to um ideally you'd want to have like maybe five or seven if you're if you're worried about like having a quote-unquote clean kilt I think a, a realistic average for guys who get into this and then it's eating peanuts, so you always add on to your collection over the years. But I think uh, a starting average is probably going to be like maybe four. I know that seems low. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even I'm, I'm say. About, you, you think about like <clears throat> the way you progress with buying them is like I want a kilt that I can get started with, or I want a kilt that's really good because it's for the wedding, or because I want to represent the clan, blah blah blah. And then you start filling in the gaps. You start with what you think is the best kilt to start with, and then you start saying, well, it'd be nice to have one for this. It'd also be nice to have one for this occasion. And then you get into, as you get more confident, well, I like the tartan on that one, and I'm, I'm not afraid of color anymore, so I want to have that one. You, need, you know what I mean? 
But I think a lot of guys, they fill in those those levels of formality, <coughs> those levels of average occasions. So I say four, maybe five is what people get into. And I'm including utility kilts in that. Uh, there's like, no, like a lot no of guys shame. will have like a utility kilt, like me. Um, yeah. I would, I wouldn't say there is a, it's, it's a weird question, not, not a bad question, but a weird question in the fact that there's no good starting number. The starting number is one. The ending number right. is as much as you can afford or your wife will allow you to have. Um, so people come at it from, from vastly different directions. Some guys will start with utility kilts and they're, they're, they don't want to offend a clan or they just think it's really cool looking or whatever. They want to buy a solid color one. Other guys start with, well, I'm going to get a kilt. I might as well get the, you know, a, an eight yard kilt for my wedding. That's my first kilt. Other guys are just, well, I'm, I'm kind of timid. I might just want to get a, a really cheap acrylic, you know, cheap one that's 50 bucks on Amazon or whatever, just to see if I like it. Yeah. And then if I like it, then I'll get more. So people come at it from different directions where I think you're right as as an overarching thing, not that you're wrong, but where I think you're, you're, you're spot on this time from an overarching thing is what I've seen is guys tend to start with darker colors. And I, I love the, yeah. the, the, the oxymoron or oxymoron, the juxtapositioning of the excuse of I want to wear a modern color kilt, black watch or something dark colors because I don't want to stand out. And I, I, I love looking them in the face and saying, dude, you're wearing a kilt. Right. You're going to stand out. And that little light switch of, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, I'll look at other ones too. Um, but a lot of guys left to their own devices will start with a darker colored tartan, whether it's black watch yeah. or something modern, darker colors. And then they will move to an ancient color or weathered or something kind of different. Um as they expand their wardrobe. So first kilt, often darker, modern colors. By the third, fourth, or fifth kilt, they tend to be lighter colors or right. something different right. where they're not duplicating the things they already have. So let's yeah. say first kilt is a cheap acrylic black watch kilt. It's 50 bucks on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Next kilt, they happen to be a McLaren. So they buy a McLaren Modern, which is similar kind of to Black Watch, but there's a little bit of color and it's a little bit nicer. And then they go, well, okay, maybe I'll buy a, a McLaren Ancient for something else. Then they go, you know what? I want to do something more colorful. I wear it more often, something different. So they go Isle of Sky or a bright colored tartan, something like that. Yeah. Then they go, well, you know what? I want to change my oil in it. Now I'm going to wear a utility kilt. So they buy a, a black or yeah. a, a caramel that's, color utility kilt. That's kind of where I was going to. And they but, evolve yeah. and they start adding on, bolting on to their wardrobe right. so right. that they have more options. Right. And oftentimes they end up moving up the scale of, you know, acrylic, then polyviscose, then maybe a semi-traditional kilt, right. then a five-yard wool kilt, right. then they get a right. nice. So they'll they'll expand in different directions, in different color schemes, um, as they move forward. That would be my advice: is if you're going to take it serious, if you want to wear a kilt every day or almost every day, or to the office and not, then go in different directions. And when you kind of find the direction you like, then go a little bit more that way and a little bit less the other directions. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I basically, I was I was trying to get the same idea. Basically, I think people will find they get one kilt, either a low ball one to start with or a really good one because it's for their wedding or something. 
Um, and then they start filling in the gaps for different contexts. Yep. Like the changing the oil in the car, or the hiking, or the going to the bar and not worrying about beer, or whatever. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and then you just, you know, the, the fever takes over, and you lose all sense of proportion, and you just collect exactly. 40, 40 to 50 kilts. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, now what I'm curious about is how many people have a go-to kilt? Like, you might have a collection, you may maybe have three, maybe you have five, maybe you have 20, but is there one kilt in your collection that you tend to wear disproportionately more than all the others? Because it's just like... That's my go-to. I would I would say yes. I would venture to mm -hmm. say yes. There is I one. I know what people out here say too. But. I agree. I want to know what they say too. Yeah. But I would venture to say that yes, there's one or two that it's either either you're a clan tartan guy, and you're a McDonald, and as much as you love your Isle Sky and you love your Black Watch, you really right. the, wearing the Black Watch feels more meaningful to you, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. it's you're a colors-based guy and. The kilts and culture tartan in the weathered color palette is really, it matches the most of my stuff. Or I love the contrast in the colors. Or I love purple, so Isla Sky really is the one. Yeah. Everyone has yeah. one or two that really speak to them more than the others. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's as far as an average number to directly answer his question, I would say a good average you know, uh, you know the the top of the bell curve without going into like you know, Hughes Howard Hughes kind of <laughs> eccentricity levels versus brand noob, um, slightly. Uh, um, I would say six to eight is a good okay. number. Is that's, a good number, and I'm not trying. This isn't a sales pitch. To me, that's a little high, but I get it. But yeah. it's it's you have then you have your favorites. You have some that you don't care about as much. Um, you have some utility ones and some regular ones. You have some right. wool ones, some PV ones. It gives a better spread, a better shotgun blast versus three to five, where it's kind of like if you want to do your go-to, you're 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 wearing the same thing over and over and over and over. It's that favorite T-shirt that you eventually wear out. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say that. six to eight is a good number that you have more versatility. Less people are gonna go. Oh, you're wearing that one again. Well, that's that's true. I think we have a yeah because I think there is the truth of the matter is you can have one kilt if it's a proper level of quality, it will stay in good condition, and you can literally just wear one kilt your whole life, even if you're wearing it almost daily. But we're raised to like you don't repeat the same outfit when you go to work each day. You also need to wash so, it at some point. You do need to wash it at some point. But again, but but again, I'm talking I'm talking like a proper tartan wool kilt. You know, you still need to wash it or launder it somehow. <sighs> yes. Look, hey. it stands up by itself. Hi, I'm Eric. I washed my last kilt in 1993. I'm done. No, I'm done. I'm Love you, Eric. Um. Anyway, some people will wear jeans because it can look the same every single day. Yes. And can last more than one washing, more than one day with a washing, without washing. But you always wear a different necktie when you go to the office every single day, because if you wore the same tie two days in a row, it'd be kind of like, hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. Or at least we have a perception that it would be, hmm. So, yes, having a kilt for if I'm talking about office workers for some reason, but you know, mercy on you if you're an office worker. I'm sorry, but the but you know what I mean. You know, it's yeah. like you you want to have one for each day so you can mix it up. <clears throat> Keep it fresh, yeah. 
And if it's a generic part of your outfit, like jeans have become generic ubiquitous right. or khakis or whatever, right. then it's easier to wear them you know, a couple days in a row and that kind of thing. Yeah. If you're wearing something that is attention-getting, like a kilt, it is much more difficult. Therefore, You want to change it. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. where I, my okay. point was. Yep. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry I hurt you. It's all right. You forgive me, Eric. It's fine. It's fine. All right, Mr. Mac. Beer fine. can full of toes. Um, so <laughs> said 93 was the Great Flood. <laughs> Almost got me. It was very convenient. Almost got me. <laughs> Almost got that me. That has been the best name so far that I've seen uh, on that. Uh, Beer can full of toes. toes. Yes. There is a story behind that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right, next. Mason jars are easier to pack. <coughs> All right, the, the good old copy and paste did not copy the name, but we got the question. So what are your opinions on younger people trying to get involved in the culture but also adding their own twist slash innovations, such as making more streamlined minimalist clan crest T-shirts? I'm sure. The, the evolution of the kilt is a slow one. The evolution of the clan... The heritage market is a slow one. Um, I don't mind people playing with it, but it's I, I would take the same track that I do with people in the store when we're when we're uh, advising them on what to buy, what not to buy, that kind of thing. You have to know the rules first before you decide which ones you want to break. So, if you were going to make a clan crest shirt. And you know, you had the belt and then the clan symbol in the middle and the motto around the top. And you said, eh, I don't like the belt. I just want to do a circlet with the clan you know, thing there. You've now knocked off the clan chief thing. So you have to understand the rules before you decide how you want to change them. Right. It's, you know, I, I, I break certain rules with wearing a kilt because I understand, but I understand that I'm breaking them and I'm doing it purposefully for my own style, my own taste, but I'm not doing it mockingly or, or you know, in the face of heritage. Um, yeah, I'm quasi breaking a rule right now. I'm wearing a dress born. With, and with, the bottom with button is buttoned. Oh, oh, vapors. Oh. That's two. I know. But the, <laughs> but the the point is, you know, to your to your point, it's you can selectively break rules. You can selectively right. interpret things. As, a, as fashion brands often do, they tweak heritage, they tweak ideas, they play with tartan to varying degrees of success. And that's why we mock her er, uh, uh, fashion brands on certain things, because it's like, what? <coughs> <No>. what? <laughs> What or or you know McQueen with the cape you know caw, caw, right. caw, 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 thing right. Right. whatever the hell that was, um, because they're doing something weird with it that's outside the realm of what we think is close enough or a tweak. It's a complete left hand turn and down a different road. Yeah, I mean, and that's how you want to roll. That's fine, but you're not doing the heritage thing at that point. Um, my perspective is that on at some point, what we're talking about with all this stuff is art. So if you want to have a stable foundation of representing the culture and the heritage, awesome. If you want to see things evolve or if you want to have a little fun with it or do, do something creative, then of course you can. People have been doing it for, for hundreds of years. It's, but it, it is art. Clothing is art. Um, but, you know, try to do it in a respectful manner. You know, 
I wouldn't do, you know, like I wouldn't do a, a clan crest with where I alter the the line on the clan crest so he's like flipping, flipping you off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Keep it, keep it tasteful. <clears throat> keep it, in, keep it clever, intelligent. Um, keep it cool. You know. So. I I would say this. I wouldn't avoid tacky. Yes. And I wouldn't alter the symbolism. Mm -hmm. I would alter right. the interpretation of the symbolism, perhaps. Yeah. Like if you wanted, like. The, the Scottish, the rampant lion, the Scottish rampant lion. You could interpret it a different way and draw like Celtic knotwork in the lion or have him be like angrier or something yeah, like that. But it should still be, you know, recognizable as a rampant lion or the, you know, touch not the cap, but a glove, yeah. you know, no, kind like of his, his example was doing a, a minimalist, I think he said a minimalist t-shirt design. I was like, that sounds fine. Yeah. Go for it. Or interpret you know. it, but make sure again, like you're not interpreting it in a way that it's now changed meaning or representing something that it shouldn't be yeah. um it just makes sure it's your design and you're doing something different but you're you're breaking strategic rules mm. and you're not dishonoring the heritage or or mocking the heritage yeah. in a different way i think tartan gets into a gray area with that i think clan symbology heraldry you know i would be more cautious but but tartan people have been using clan tartans for fashion type expressions for forever for decades so yeah. or hundreds of years so yeah you know it's sometimes it's done awesome sometimes it's like eh, yeah. what were you thinking yep and just like fashion there's varying degrees of success um right. i would say be just be cautious do what you want to do have fun with it make it your own but be cautious in the way you do it and make sure you're respectful in what you're doing we recommend you put together a focus group, preferably uh, different geographical regions and age demographics represented. So, Kilts and Culture? Yes. Facebook group? Yes. Indeed. Good. As long as it stands up statistically. Yeah. All right, Mr. Eric. Yeah, I think we did two by Mac in a row by <gasps> accident there. Dun, dun, dun. Wah, wah, wah. Um, all right. How much time we got left? What time is it? We got 20 minutes? Okay, I think we can get through a couple more that I wanted to yeah. get through. Um, but this one's an easier one. Uh, David Allen Hicks, should I copyright copyright a tartan I created when I register it with the Scottish <laughs> Register? What's the difference? Yeah. While we're at it. Um, when you register a, a tartan with the Scottish Tartan Registry, um, you are effectively just recording it for posterity. It is no real legal protection. Um, when you're filling out the form, it will ask you, are there restrictions on it? Or is there a copyright on it? And you know, you're supposed to provide you know, evidence of the copyright. Are there restrictions? Who can weave it? Who can, who can do anything with it? That kind of thing. Um, as far as the UK mills, it's very much just a handshake agreement if it's restricted, you know, and it says, you know, only woven by House of Edgar. Um, other mills won't do it or they shouldn't do it because it's more of a handshake kind of agreement. If it says it is copyrighted, that is something different. That is a legal protection. Hmm. Um, if you are concerned that your design, if it is for a broad organization or for a huge thing or you're a corporation or something like that, then yes, I would suggest you get a copyrighted. If you are just an individual and you design a tartan for your wedding. Um, and you're concerned that it's going to be woven in Pakistan and ripped off and that kind of thing, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't worry too much about it. 
Um, copyright is going to require probably an attorney, if not well, other fees, if you're just going to go direct and try to do the copyright yourself. Mm. Um, so there's going to be money involved. The reality is 99.99% of tartans do not need a copyright. Um, it's just if it is for an organization or a corporation or something like that, then if you have the extra money and you're concerned about somebody knocking it off or something like that, sure. But if it's just you as an individual or a small kind of thing, the odds of somebody knocking it off are very, very, very low. So I really wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand the concern in, in the world we live in. You know, Absolutely. How, how things go. I, I get it. But honestly, the the other thing to keep in mind is if somebody wants to rip off your tartan, someone overseas, shall we say, uh, in a less than reputable uh, mercantile operation, they're going to do it anyway. Because copyright law isn't going to mean bup, bunkus, you know, in Asia. Yep. So. That's, yeah, I'll use the Isle of Sky, you know, good, good point. I'll use the Isle of Sky tartan as an example. <clears throat> Rosemary Samwise, I think is how you pronounce her last name, from Australia, designed the Isle of Sky tartan. It is copyrighted uh, Martin Mills and Lock Heron are the two mills that have the ability and the you know, the, the blessing to be able to have that woven right. it was done in Pakistan and they didn't care they just did it and wove bolts and bolts and bolts and bolts of the stuff yep. and eventually it wasn't the UK going to Pakistan to sue them and to stop them from doing it it was a company it was them suing a company in the UK selling it and having the bolts woven in the UK, not in Pakistan. Because the the international copyright law is gonna be a lot more convoluted and trying to get somebody over in Pakistan to care and to stop doing something, if you're in the US or you're in the UK, you're gonna sink a ton of money in it and no one's gonna care. Yep. Um, you're better off going after the people who are selling the stuff in the US and the UK or, or having it imported because they are subject to US UK law. Yeah. And you're gonna play it, it, it we're talking about a big business kind of a concern as opposed to yeah. like, like you said, like a personal project, a, a love project. Yeah. Um, but at some point at that level, you they're just playing whack-a-mole. As soon as you yeah. come down on one yeah. group, somebody else will print it with a computer printing fabric printing system and put out Or another company is yeah. gonna weave it and just sell it. And it's right. it's literally whack-a-mole is right. the best way to describe it. Yeah. It's you're going after 20, 30 different people doing the exact same thing, and it just ends up costing you an arm and a leg, and at some point it becomes, is it worth it? Like, you're, how much money are you spending in legal fees trying to chase after these people? You're trying to collect from them, but you won't. Um, yeah. So you're just waste, You're throwing good money after bad, so you're better off just evolving and moving past it and just saying, ah, screw it, so, I'm moving forward. Trust your but, gut, but you probably don't need yeah. to worry about it too much. Pretty much. Sorry. Shaggy dog there, so I probably oh, shagging all over the place. Exactly. All right, Mr. Mac. All right. Mr. Mac, Mr. Mac. So we have Todd. He's going to a wedding. He's wearing a kilt, tweed waistcoat, shirt, tie, but not feeling the hose and flash. Would ankle dress boot and lower calf wool socks clash too much with the upper outfit? Yes. Yeah. It's... What was it? What was the top half going to be again? So a shirt and tie and a vest. Tweed, tweed, tweed waistcoat. Yep. Outdoor wedding, friends. That I don't. That I don't know. Commune. The, I mean, who's, who, what kind of wedding is it? Um, I have some Kool Aid from this punch. 
Uh, now I, I, I think you want the hose, dude. It really, it really, it's one of those things that just ties the outfit together, um, and, and just, you know, how toned are the muscles of your legs, or how tanned are they? Hose, I, hose are good for you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't Hose are your go, friend. I wouldn't even go that far. It's, you know, um, I have some very sexy calves. Um, you do indeed. But the, uh, uh, the, the, it looks it looks weird like like draw a parallel in your mind to let's say you wanted to wear a suit jacket and vest and then a pair of shorts and a pair of converse sneakers it, it doesn't quite go um draw that same kind of parallel it's your your finest of khaki dress shorts um but it's it's it just completes the look it's gonna look like you didn't own it and couldn't do it right um yeah suck it up wear a pair of wings you don't have to invest a lot of money you don't have to be mean have to be mean i can be suck it up buttercup exactly no. um it, but you don't have to invest money it, it's it's you can wear a lot of money um you can get a pair of black economy hose for 15 bucks and a pair of cheap flashes for 10 bucks 20 bucks whatever um no. so 30 bucks all in and you have something to wear Wear a pair of wingtips; it will complete the outfit. Um, a, a pair of low-cut socks with a, a vest and dress shirt—it just feels odd. It is—it is more popular out in out in the rest of the world. Um, we've noted that men's fashion a lot of time guys are wearing invisible socks, low-cut socks, so you just see their ankles with their shoots, shoes. I know we don't really care for it, but it's—but um, it is a thing. So that may be where he's coming from. I'll say I think the ankle boots are fine. I wouldn't worry about the shoes, but I think the hose would be a good idea just to make sure the outfit seems tied together and put yeah, together. Yeah, a pair of chuck -a boots um, or something like that. Yeah, and if you're worried about the heat, go with the cotton hose. You know, we provide them. Other places provide them. They're affordable, and they're good for hot weather, so. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Get get a, get a hose, get flashes, and then on the flashes, just write in Sharpie, Rocky made me do it. So. Do it on the back. Don't do it on the front. Okay. Yeah, you'll know. All right, Mr. Eric. <clears throat> uh, right. Okay. You feeling feisty? You're feeling feisty today. Well, we got ten minutes right. left. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? You ready yep. for this one then? Do one on one. All right. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Darth Wonderty. Dark. Oh, Dark Thirty maybe. Dark Thirty. Hey guys. Apparently there are some quote unquote. Native Scots calling those of us in America <clears throat> culture vultures. What is your response? Culture vultures. Native uh, Native Scots. For for those who don't know, culture vultures are people that uh, glob on, if you will. It's a negative connotation, obviously. Um, who extract, who, who exploit, who you know, mock, wear, whatever someone else's culture. It's also my indie rock band. Um, they wear flock of seagulls hair. Yeah. Um, totally. Wigs. The, um, I, in my mind, I equate culture vulture with someone who's exploiting something. Um, I don't, it, there will always be gatekeepers. Let's start here. There will always be gatekeepers. No matter where you go, no matter what culture, no matter how, where your heart is at, your heart is at, there will always be people who say, you can't do this for this reason or that reason. You're not this enough. You're not that enough, whatever. Um, 
there will always be those people. There will also, conversely, be people who love it, who think it's awesome. Um, we, you know, we see our YouTube comments, we see our Facebook comments, we see, you know, the errant Scottish person saying, you know, friggin' Americans think they're gonna teach me about Scottish culture, gonna talk about this. How dare they talk about something? Conversely, we see Scots saying, it is so awesome that you guys are so passionate about this that you're actually talking about it. You're teaching me things that I haven't learned in school. Nobody over here talks about this stuff, but you guys are, that's cool. Um, so you get both. I will also say from an American standpoint, you don't get the, you as someone in Scotland, thinking that we're cultural versus, you don't have our our culture here. You don't have our upbringing. You grew up in it. We grew up in something different. We are ex we are experiencing, expressing, enjoying the heritage aspect of it from what it was, from what our family is, from that kind of thing. We're not in it every single day. This is our way to connect with it. So to, to those who think negatively of it, I really don't care. You can you can think as negatively as you want to about it. You can think as positively as you want to about it. I'm not hurting anyone. I know where my heart is. I know what I'm trying to do. He knows what he's trying to do. All you out there, all you Americans, Canadians, Australians, Germans, whatever, who are in the diaspora, who are experiencing it, who are trying to honor the heritage, who are sincere students of the culture, we know what we're doing. We know who we are. We know why we're doing it. If we're not being disrespectful, and we're enjoying it and we're celebrating it, F those people. Focus on the Scots who are positive about it, who say, you guys are awesome. It is wonderful that you are taking something that is this tiny little country floating in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and you are celebrating it, you're celebrating your heritage and you love who we are and we love you. Take those people and celebrate them and enjoy that and enjoy that experience and People who don't like it, meh, so sorry, so sad. Me, 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 I don't like it. You couldn't keep giving me a kill. Me, me, my feelings are hurt. Suck it up, buttercup. I'm going to. I'm going to love Scotland. I'm going to love Tartans. I'm going to love heritage. I'm going to love the history. I'm going to love my experience as an, in the, so someone in the diaspora. And your opinion isn't going to affect that. Thoughts? I have nothing to add. Good. Up the regiment. Indeed. Celebrate your heritage. And damn the torpedoes. Yep. Illegitimate non-carborundum. Yes, I know it's not real Latin. It's a good example, actually. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Do what you're going to do. As long as you're a respectful student of the culture, student of the heritage, you're being honorable in the way that you are expressing it and feeling it and celebrating it who cares there will always be people to drag you down there will always be people who are naysayers there will always be people who want to step on you to feel better about themselves or because they're gatekeepers of whatever niche whatever subculture whatever it is who cares they don't affect your life nor should you let them I think we end that there question of the day Everybody in the audience, I don't know if you've seen it, but Eric and I got have five one. minutes. You want to do another question? Or you just 
You want to put the you want to put the James Brown cape on and head on was, out of here? I was I was feeling it there. Now that we're interrupted, <laughs> that's what I do. Just ruin your stream. We well well we could do this. Let's do the question. Of the Let's day. do one more question, since Eric. But we could do the question of the day and, and get nope. some live feedback now. No, no, no. Give these guys a chance to actually chime in. No, no. Any no, reaction? That's not, that's not the order of events. I'm just getting my revenge on you for earlier. I need more Grandpa Shine. I'll tell you what. Is All right, Mac. One more. Fine. Do one more. All right. So get out your crystal ball. All right. Done. Okay. Greg's wants to know, what kilt trend or trends do you see in the immediate horizon? Just kilts. Now, see, it's it's. Uh, I can't answer it because I'm rustling, rustling. Um, <laughs> the I don't want to color the answer or the question of the day. Um, the all right, screw it. I will. Um, <laughs> to 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 some small degrees, I don't see anything major coming out. Um, I see people wearing more universal tartans. And basing things on colors, whether it's for weddings, whether it's for sports teams, whether it's for stuff like that. I see that potentially coming in and wearing kilts more casually, especially in the U.S., um, but in Scotland as well. Um, whether it's Tartan Army or whatever, um, or whether it's brides wanting, these are my wedding colors, therefore I want a gray tartan with blue in it. Um, and, you know, rental companies over there doing that kind of thing, that already is happening. I'm not Nostradamus. It's already occurring. I think we're at the beginning of the crest of the wave. Mm -hmm. um, the other one I would say is uh, alternative color metals, i.e. chocolate bronze stuff, um, you know, like the belt buckle I have on, like the uh, cantle, that's a bit shiny, but the cantle that Eric has on there, um, because I would say chocolate bronze specific, specifically because it goes well with tweed, which is already popular currently. It goes well yeah. with the uh, weathered tartans and muted tartans, which are already popular. So again, it's kind of, it's a wave feeding on a wave. It's building. Do you have any thoughts on what will be popular going forward? Uh, tartan kilts with clan crests and mottos threaded in with UV reactive thread so you only see it under black light. How many glasses of scotch have you had? No, no. Fair enough. I don't. I don't know. I don't have any. I don't. I don't. I see. Uh, I see fashion ideas coming in from the fringes. Um, I don't see the core of Highland dress changing much because it is a traditional, supposed to be timeless, kind of a thing uh, by its very nature and its design. So I think little fashion changes, you know, little tweaks, tweaks. and fun, yes. you know, are going to are going to come in and then go away again. Um, I don't see anything major affecting it. I see more just that kilts are going to start um, invading other fashion scenes more. So the opposite is that basically the kilt itself is going to be seen more often in uh, other Random men's. things. Yeah. 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 Random niches, shall yeah, we say. Exactly. Because, I mean, we see it, we're seeing it now, you know, in, in like the, the, hiking. the hiking. Well, hiking is more of a practical thing. But like in subcultures I'm in contact with, you know, like the, the metalheads and the goths and stuff like that, it's just, it's going to be more invasive into that. So there's yeah. going to be, it's just, yeah. People want to express their heritage and want to be who they are and it kind of, and and, yeah. and, and and mold it, meld it, you know, combine it with other things that they are into. Yeah. Um, in yeah. the same way that people want to wear 
Viking accessories with their Scottish tartan. People want to wear their, you know, yeah. their motorhead t-shirt with their kilt when they go to a show. Yeah. Or, you know, that kind of thing. They're just, it's going to, it's becoming more pervasive in people's lives right. as they want to express who they are and express their heritage and their own personal story and just have fun with it. Yeah, they're blending, people are blending uh, a, a heritage and a romantic historical sort of a angle on themselves with their modern self. All the time, really, but especially now with kilts, I think. Yeah. So, but it's your your other point is correct. It's all of the the it's 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 a very very unique thing where the the very common very very slow turning ship is tradition in Highland wear. It evolves much slower than any other form of men's dress. Period. If you look at stuff from the 1920s and 30s. You could actually pick that up and wear it today and still Absolutely. look good. Versus if you were to wear a suit from the 1920s or 30s and wear it today, people would be like, aha, you're wearing something from Boardwalk Empire, that, yeah, that kind of thing. So it's that will always be there. That will move much slower. But the ancillary stuff, the things that kind of surround it are the things that will come in and out of fashion kind of quickly but the the good ones will stick around mm -hmm. period i do think that the you touched on i do think the retro vintage thing is going to be lasting for a while longer yeah like you mentioned the 1920s i mean we talked about the peaky blinders effect um i think as uh technology and society is getting more technical a lot of people want something that feels more analog for lack of a better term yep. so balance themselves so out. i think they want to balance themselves out so i think it's yep. more the the uh the the rustic -y, um vintage clothing is going to be here for a while so, All right. Straw boaters with a kilt. So question of the day, now that we've already colored the answer. Um, thanks, what, Eric and what, Mac. What color did we color it, Robbie? Oh, we colored it chocolate bronze. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so chocolate bronze. I have on a chocolate bronze. It's kind of like a coppery kind of color mm -hmm. um, from my belt buckle, from my kilt pin over here. Um, Eric has on a chocolate bronze fighting stags cantle and a kilt pin. What are your thoughts on alternative metal colors, um, specifically chocolate bronze? Do you think it is something cool? Do you think it's neither fish nor fowl, so you don't like it? Um, do you think, nope, you know, uh, chrome and antiqued silver is enough? Or do you want to see 87 different colors? What do you think? You tell us. Um, should we be doing more chocolate bronze things, more chocolate bronze cantles, or less? Let us know in the comments. That's about it, though. So, until next time, boys and girls, grab yourself a Grandpa's Shine Celtic Whiskey. Right. And <laughs> Sanjava. Sanjava. Thanks for joining us, guys. Our podcast theme song is Gold and Guns by the Kilmaine Saints. If you have a question for us, you can ask it during our YouTube live stream the first Friday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to get social with other kilt enthusiasts, go check out the Kilts and Culture group over on Facebook. You can also find USA Kilts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or over at our website, usakilts.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, Slanjava. Slanjava.